Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Okay. I've been super busy the last couple weeks, which is why you all have not had a pod from me in like two weeks. So I do apologize. (laughs) Um, Super busy, but we are back. Don't worry, Instant Replay isn't going anywhere. It's here to stay, here for a long time. Um, Goodness, it feels good to be back doing this. I've truly missed being able to do these episodes so thank you all for sticking around thank you all for your patience and without further ado let's go ahead and get into the big news because there are a lot of things that we missed a couple things that we're going to touch on but most importantly the nba playoffs are here well kind of just about we have playing games tomorrow and then in a couple days so what are we going to look at right there's a lot of stuff we need to get into okay So, before we get into the NBA, though, because this is going to be a heavy NBA podcast, right? So, we're going to talk a lot of basketball today, a lot of basketball today. So, let's go ahead and get some of the big things that happened over the last few weeks in the NFL out of the way. Um, obviously, we're in that time period now where, you know, the, the draft is over, um, the season has ended, and... Now, you know, things are kind of starting to slow down in the NFL as far as news and things like that. There's not a bunch of stuff coming out, right? So some of the few things that have happened. Obviously, one of the big things, we had the release of the NFL schedule, um, was able to look at, you know, all 17 games this year. Um, The 18-week schedule was released finally, Um, seeing where everyone is uh, matching up, seeing some of the key dates. Uh, Of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers have the toughest schedule in the league once again because schedule makers just hate us, I guess. (laughs) But um, a lot of very interesting matchups. Looking forward to, obviously, the matchup that everyone is going to have their eye on is week four when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head to New England to take on the Patriots. That will be Tom Brady's first game in Gillette Stadium as an opponent. That will be his first time traveling there as anything other than a New England Patriot. And he will feel the wrath of all of those fans, I'm sure. I'm sure he will. He, they will have a nice ceremony for him at the beginning. He will be loved and he will be cherished and he will get his standing ovation right before the game starts when he comes out. And then once the game starts... He's going to hear it. He's going to feel it. But more than anything, this is the battle between Tom and Bill Belichick. What is Tom going to do against Bill Belichick's defense and this New England Patriots team that, you know, had, uh, let's just be honest, had a lot of cosmetic surgery, right? The New England Patriots, they, 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 they didn't look good last year. They went down to Dr. Miami, got a BBL, got some lipo, you know, had a rhinoplasty, all that stuff. And this team looks completely different now than what it did last year. Um, You get, obviously, eight guys back from uh, the opt-outs last year because the Patriots did have eight guys opt-out due to COVID last year. Like three or four of those guys were starting uh, defensive players. Uh, Like two of them were two of your captains on the team. Um, And obviously, we know they spent record amount of money uh, during this offseason. bringing in a bunch of talent there. So that's one of the big games that everyone's going to keep an eye on. Um, One thing that I do think is interesting, and it's going to lead us into our next topic, um, the Green Bay Packers have about five primetime games this year, five or six, but I believe like four of them are all towards the end of the season. And that's a very clear indication that – the league has no idea whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing for the Green Bay Packers because if they knew for a fact that he would, they would load them up and spread them out a little bit more evenly. Like I said, they have about 
five or six games this year that are prime time, and like four of them are all within like the last maybe six weeks of the season or something like that, or seven weeks. Um, and that's because they don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. Obviously, if Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there, the Packers aren't as interesting of a team to watch because no disrespect to Jordan Love, we haven't really seen him play, and the little bit of things that we have seen from him whether it was just little clips from training camp and all that, or the last time we saw him playing in college when he was at Utah State, he didn't play that great. But that was also because he didn't have that much of – he didn't have a great talent pool around him. Um, but he um, – Jordan Love, like, we just don't know. And from what we've seen, it hasn't looked good with Jordan Love. Um, and so – you know, we, we're, we're in this saga right now where it's really Aaron Rodgers versus Gut Kuntz. Um <laughs> I always feel like I'm pronouncing his name wrong. I think it's, it's I think it's actually Gut Kuntz, um, but Gut Kuntz just sounds funnier to me. So, uh, but the Packers general manager and, you know, th- that's kind of where we're at with this whole thing. Aaron Rodgers, everyone, from, you know, sources and stuff are all coming out and saying that he's kind of taken a quote on us a Deshaun Watson type approach where it's like I'm never playing for this team ever again get me out of here I don't want to be here um and that's a really tough situation to be in so obviously like I said if Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there them having those primetime games later in the season is huge because then they can flex them out and then maybe that makes it easier for the NFL to uh do some schedule changing and things like that um some other really good games. We got a lot of good games on the opening opening night, opening week, week one of the NFL. Got a bunch of really good games. You have the Seahawks and the Colts. We'll get to see um, Carson Wentz in his new digs with his new team back with his old uh, offensive coordinator and Frank Reich taking on the Seattle Seahawks, two offenses that should be very, very good this year. Um, Going to be a, very interesting to see how that plays out. You have a playoff rematch between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns. That's going to be a ton of fun to see how that plays out. We're going to, we'll talk about the Chiefs very briefly because the Chiefs, I feel like, just keep on making great move after great move this offseason. Um, after signing Mike Hughes, they um, traded for a former first-round pick of the Minnesota Vikings, Mike Hughes, a couple of days ago. And their secondary, it is young, but it is full of talent, and it is led by a very, very, very great leader, and great player in Tyron Matthew. I think he's going to he's gonna do wonders and bring those guys along. Um, this Chiefs secondary, though, they are young. They're going to have their growing pains. But this this Chiefs secondary is filled with talent and can be very scary um, this upcoming year, like I said. And then, obviously, they rebuilt that offensive line. I think that offensive line immediately becomes one of the best in the uh, best in the league after the moves that they've made. Obviously, going out, signing Joe Tooney in, in the offseason. Uh, trading for Orlando Brown, Kyle Long coming out of retirement and signing with the Chiefs, you know, things like that. So, but Chiefs and Browns looks like it's going to be a good game. The Browns obviously will have Odell Beckham Jr. back uh, for that for this season now. So he'll be back. That It'll be interesting to see how he fits into this offense now. Um, so that's something to keep our eyes on there. Um, you have obviously the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Buffalo Bills two teams that met last year, two teams that were both in the playoffs last year uh, in the AFC. So a lot of really good matchups uh, in week one. It's going to be a lot of fun seeing how this all plays out. But schedule release happened. Like I said, Chiefs made a couple moves, a couple good games. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are still uh, entrenched in battle and for all intents and purposes, it seems like it seems like the likely favorite for Aaron Rodgers as far as teams that could make a trade for him are really it seems like the favorite right now is the Denver Broncos. And the Denver Broncos, this is a situation where it's eerily similar to what Tom Brady did with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. He sat back and he picked the team that maybe everyone else probably didn't think was that great. But when you looked at the roster, you really sat back and said, they're a quarterback away. You know, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, um, before signing or two years ago when Jameis Winston was the quarterback, you know, like they went seven and nine, but it was also like they went seven and nine and their quarterback threw 30 interceptions, right? Like 
if you just cut down on those, you know, cut that down to half, that's almost guaranteed to win you at least four more games, right? So, and then you just looked at the roster and you looked at all the talent that they had on both on both sides of the ball, and you were like, okay, they're a quarterback away, and it's in a beautiful city, great weather. Bruce Arians is a cool head coach. Yeah, why wouldn't I go there, right? Kind of similar situation for Aaron Rodgers, even though Aaron Rodgers uh, isn't a free agent, right, like Tom Brady was. But he kind of does have the say-so as far as where he would get traded if the Packers were to trade him um, because he has a no-trade clause. So Aaron Rodgers, I think when you look at what the Denver Broncos have, now obviously you'd have to give up some of this to get Aaron Rodgers, right? Um, you're not you're not just going to give up Aaron Rodgers for a couple of draft picks. You're gonna you're gonna want some some player compensation back as well, right? So maybe that means you have to give up one of your uh, maybe you give up one of your you know young receivers, and maybe you uh, give up a, a defensive lineman or something like that. You know, like something that the Packers would need um, to make the deal sweeter. But you look at what they have. You have Cortland Sutton. You have Jerry Judy. Um, you have Noah Fant. Like that, that offense is loaded. Melvin Gordon is there. They drafted a young, uh, the young running back Williams. Um, the Packers are loaded, and then on the defense side of the ball, you know they they go out and they draft Patrick Sertain. Um, you still have Justin Simmons there. Uh, again, just a really, really, really good team really good team so the broncos man if they if they make that trade if the broncos can get aaron Rodgers, watch out and you want to talk about fireworks imagine aaron Rodgers gets traded to the green bay packers or i'm sorry gets traded to the denver broncos and now we get to see aaron Rodgers and the and the broncos take on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs twice a year for like the next three or four years. It would be phenomenal. So I'm kind of hoping that that happens. <laughs> um, we'll see how it all goes, but a lot of stuff going on there. Um, it's amazing how many I feel like marquee. I mean, three. I've said this before. There are only four elite quarterbacks in the league to me right now. Three of them we have all heard in trade rumors. Deshaun Watson seems like he's definitely out of out of Houston, right? Like it definitely seems like he's out of there, especially after they uh, drafted uh, Davis Mills, the quarterback out of Sanf- out of Stanford, right? I feel like they're they're. I feel like that's a telltale sign that we're preparing for life after him, because it's. I think they're starting to see the writing on the wall that they're not going to be able to keep Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson it will not be a Houston Texan uh, this season or at some point. Like, he's going to get traded or released or something like that. So um, Deshaun Watson is going to be on the move. We had rumors of Russell Wilson possibly being on the move. Who knows? Is this going to be his last year in Seattle? Could be. Um, and then now we have Aaron Rodgers, who is fed up with Green Bay and wants out. So it's it's tough. It's, it's very interesting. I think we are going to see the dynamic – of the NFL as far as the power structure and which teams really are at the top change in these next two years, I believe just with all of the young quarterback talent that we have. And then with all, like I said, three of the four elite quarterbacks, basically um, all possibly being in different, like think about that Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers could all end up being somewhere else. Like Russell Wilson could end up in Vegas next year. Um, Deshaun Watson could end up in Miami and Aaron Rodgers could end up in Denver, right? Like think about how different the NFL looks if the Raiders have Russell Wilson, if the Dolphins have Deshaun Watson, and if the Broncos have Aaron Rodgers, all three of those things very like have high chances that they could happen. Like it's, it's not like, that's not just me. Like that's not, that's not a spitballing. Like those are possibilities, right? So the NFL is going to look very, very different. Um, I mean, hell, Tom Brady's already in the Tampa Bay Buccaneer uniform, so <laughs> the NFL already looks different, but um, a lot of interesting stuff going on. Also, um, I'm not going to pile too much on the Tim Tebow thing. I, I actually was a fan of the idea. I like Tim Tebow. I've always liked Tim Tebow. Um, I think it's cool that he's getting a shot at tight end. Yeah, sure. Um, I do think that it's a little bogus because there are tons of other younger guys who 
don't have as many revenue options as Tim Tebow does um, that deserve these shots more. You know, like I, hell, I'm I'm friends with some, you know, my uh, Ari Wirtz, who he and I went to Stevenson High School. He and I went to Georgia State together. He's a tight end. He's grinding. He's trying to find a spot in the NFL, right? Like he's he's working. He's going out camps, all this stuff. And I'm sure he would have loved an opportunity to go and play for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But because Tim Tebow, one, knows Urban Meyer, two, because of his name, and three, because he's white, um, he gets this opportunity, even though he hasn't played in the NFL in over seven years and has never played tight end at any level uh, during his football career. Um, so, yeah, it. I, while I do like that Tim Tebow is back in the league because I do like Tebow, I do understand why people are upset about it. And, you know, it's, it's, it also to the point of Colin Kaepernick, right? Like everyone talked about all of the reasons we heard. Well, well, why isn't Colin Kaepernick back in the league? Oh, well, it's because uh, he wasn't a good quarterback. Tim Tebow wasn't a good quarterback. It's because, oh, well, he's, he's been out of the league too long. We don't know if he, if he can still handle it. Tim Tebow has been out of football longer than Colin Kaepernick has. Um, it's oh well we don't we don't the the circus that's going to come with it we don't want all the media attention where has tim tebow ever gone and there has not been media attention so <laughs> it just it comes down you know to the just the truth of the matter is just that black people are treated differently um when you speak out for what is right when you speak out for something <clears throat> uh, you will try to be silenced especially if you are an african-american man or an african-american individual in this country it happens um, but you keep fighting. So good for Tim Tebow though. Good for Tebow. I, and by the way, by the way, I do think Tebow is going to make this team. Like, I don't think this is just for show. Like I genuinely think, cause that the, the Jacksonville Jaguars tight end room is terrible, right? Like Tyler Eifert is a shell. Like they have like the bones, right? Like they have, they have the dead remains of Tyler Eifert. This is not the Tyler Eifert that was, you know, looking like maybe one of the 10 best tight ends in the league when he was in Cincinnati five or six years ago, right? This is the Tyler Eifert who has been through like six or seven injuries and is six years older and, you know, was released from Cincinnati and all this other stuff. Like Tyler Eifert once was a really good tight end in this league. Now he's just another guy. Um, same thing with um, O'Shaughnessy, who was their tight end, who was their tight end there last year. Like, their tight end room is very weak, so Tebow has a chance. Like if he can, if he can just come in there. Obviously, Tim Tebow's always in shape. He looks absolutely ripped. He's always, he's never looked like a guy who should be playing quarterback. Like he's always looked like a guy who should be playing tight end, right? Just because of his size and just how stacked he is. Um, so he has a legit shot uh, to make it. You got speaking of guys who are who were who were big and comebacks. You got Kelvin Benjamin who. Uh, at one point was a first round wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers and had a really good couple. I mean, his first, I believe like two years in Carolina, his rookie year, he was phenomenal. His first two years in Carolina, he played great. Like he was a threat at wide receiver. I remember, I remember seeing him going up for a ball and caught it, caught a touchdown pass in the end zone over Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas and just looked at both of them like, yeah, I'm that nice. Like he was not someone to play with. Kevin, Kelvin Benjamin was a legit threat. Uh, the problem was had some, had some character issues and in all honesty, ate himself out of the league. You know, that was one of the jokes was that he, he didn't take care of his body enough. And people always said, well, he's a biscuit away from being a tight end. Well, he's not a biscuit away anymore. He is a tight end now. He's uh, been tried out with the New York giants and they signed him, uh, to be a tight end. Uh, I'm sure he'll probably end up playing a little bit of a tweener role where he'll be kind of a wide receiver in some packages, the tight end in others, but Kelvin Benjamin is back in the league. Uh, good for him getting another chance. You know, like I said, he was in Carolina for a couple years then got traded to Buffalo and then got released and couldn't really find a home. And now he's back after a couple years. Uh, so happy he's getting that second chance. We'll see what he does at tight end. Uh, he definitely adds, I mean, if he, if he's, anything like he was, you know, in Carolina, if he's still, if, if that guy is still somewhere there, um, the, the, the giants 
the Giants' talent pool on the offensive side is very, very deep. But um, last thing in the NFL that I just wanted to bring up because we do have a lot of NBA um, to talk about. Jawan James. Jawan James is a name that the typical um, NFL fan may not know. But it's something that I feel like should be addressed and is interesting um, in the least to speak about. So, Juwan James is offensive tackle for the Denver Broncos. And recently, he had an Achilles, uh, an Achilles, excuse me. I believe he had suffered a torn Achilles tendon. Um, during a workout that was considered a non-football injury. Um, for those of you who don't know, in the NFL, they have protections uh, for the team as far as if a guy does something uh, away from the team's uh, facilities or, you know, like I said, a non-football injury. So, like, if a guy, like, is jet skiing in Cabo and breaks his leg, um, Basically, it's like, hey, you were doing that on your own time. You were away from the facilities. We're not paying for your injuries. And also, we're probably going to garnish your wagers, your wages and uh, void your salary. <clears throat> um, basically, that is what happened here with Jawan James. Um Jawan James suffered a season-ending injury, and like I said, he was away. Granted, he was just working out, and that's the problem, right? Like, that's the problem with this situation. Because in some other situations, like in, like I said in the example that I gave about, like, oh, if you were, like, jet skiing out in Cabo and you break your leg, then, yeah, I kind of feel the team. It's like, dude, you put yourself at risk. We're not paying for this. We're not covering you. And now, since you're lost for the season, we're going to go ahead and void your contract this year. Like, I get that, right? I get it. I understand where some people may not like it, but I get it. The thing that's bogus with this situation is that he lost his wages because he was working out, right? Like, which is something that you want your guys to do. Like, he was working out toward his Achilles. It sucks, but I don't think the Broncos made the right stance here. Uh, and that's also why Jawan James is now filing a grievance um, through the NFLPA for lost wages, um, basically because what ended up happening was not only was, you know, obviously they, since it was considered a non-football injury, um, te the team wasn't required to pay uh, the full base salary uh, for his contract. They released him as well. Like they just straight up released him. And since he was released Friday with a, and, and, this is something that the NFL has been doing, which is kind of like a little bit of a way to manipulate the salary cap. They're releasing him with a post June 1st designation, which means we're putting the reports out there. Basically what that means is we're going, they're basically just putting the report out there that on June 1st or after June 1st, we're going to release Juwan James by doing that. He's going to miss out on about $10 million in salary, right? which is obviously a lot of money. Um, so that's what Juwan James is going through. He's filing the grievance uh, to basically try and seek uh, that uh, at least $10 million could be more uh, back for the 2021 season after the Broncos said that they won't cover um, his salary after designating him for a non-football injury. So something to keep your eye on there. Definitely hope that Juwan James wins that grievance because, like I said, this wasn't someone who was being irresponsible this wasn't someone who was being rude or or like you know wasn't someone who was being obnoxious or doing something he wasn't supposed to do like he was working out right like he was working out it happens um sucks but it happens so keep an eye on that uh obviously Juwan james hoping you have a speedy recovery hey listen man when you get back come to pittsburgh we could use some offensive line help we're right over here we'll bring we'll 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 have some money next year, too, because Ben will be retired. He'll be off the books. We'll have that contract off the books. We still will have to pay T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, but 
we can fit you in. We won't have to pay. We won't be paying a quarterback millions of dollars. We'll have a relatively cheap quarterback, whether it's Mason Rudolph, whether it's uh, Dwayne Haskins, or whether it's some guy that we draft this upcoming year, right? So something to keep your eye on. Juwan James, just throwing that out there. Pittsburgh, really cool city, ton of fun. It's a really nice entrance to the city when you go through the tunnel and then you're on the bridge. Um, a lot of great bars down there, all that good stuff. And, you know, play for the Steelers, you know, a historic franchise. But anyway, that's just me uh, doing my bit to recruit. <clears throat> but anyway, Juwan James, come to Pittsburgh. All right, that's the last one. Okay, we need to talk about the NBA because we've spent about 25 minutes <laughs> on the NFL, which was a little bit longer than I wanted to. I wanted, to, I actually wanted to get in and out of the, the NFL talk real quick. Um, but NFL, you know, I can talk football all day, as I can with basketball, and that's what we're going to do right now. So the regular season has ended. Everything that we've been waiting for, I, I know that I've been waiting for, I am super, super, super excited for. Like, the playoffs are here. The playoffs are here, and I can't wait. I cannot wait. Because not only are the playoffs here, before we get to the playoffs, we have the play-in tournament. And there have been many teams, many players, uh, most notably LeBron, who have criticized um the play-in tournament, you know, which I think is a little weak. I think that, well, because the only, and, and I don't want this again to come off as me being a hater of LeBron, right? Like that's not what this is, right? So I want that to be clear. I felt like it was just kind of bogus that a lot of guys towards the end of the season basically started complaining about um, the play-in games or the play-in tournament when they realized that their teams were going to be affected by it, right? Like LeBron didn't, and again, like this is something that people knew about all year. Like, it's not like they sprung this on you at the, at, at the end of the season. It's not like it was something that you didn't know was coming. This is something that was set to happen from the jump, right? Like this is something that you knew was going to happen um, all season long. And you didn't have any complaints about it at the beginning of the year. Yeah, like when the Lakers were, you know, in the top three in the Western Conference, you didn't have any complaints about it. But now that you finished seventh, you know, and now that you're affected by it, oh, now it's dumb and now it's uh, it's stupid and whoever whoever came up with this idea needs to be fired, right? Anywho, we have the play-in tournament set. We have the standings of one through six set, and it is going to be super, super, super fun Shout out to Steph Curry uh, winning the scoring title this year, averaging about 31.8 points a game. He was on an absolute tear. Steph Curry answered a lot of questions this year, in my opinion. I think there was there were always questions um, about Steph Curry. It was like, yes, he's a piece that can win you a championship. Like he he's a piece that gets you over, right? Like he, I think it was always a question of is Steph Curry a guy. Because we know he raises your 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 ceiling, right? Like he elevates your ceiling, but does he raise your floor? Like is he a guy who can come on a team and make the team better? And I think you saw that this year. I think with obviously the injuries that they had to deal with, obviously Clay Thompson not being back, um, losing James Wiseman uh, during the season, and him being a guy who they you really had to rely on. Um, I think he proved that, yeah, no, I'm a guy who I can come take a team and make them a playoff squad. And that's basically what he did with Golden State. Golden State finished with the eighth seed. Granted, they do have good talent on that team, but still, I don't think they make it here without uh, Steph Curry doing what he did this year. So big shout out to him. He's definitely someone who should be in that MVP conversation. Um, and as far as the MVP goes, it's going to be very interesting. Now, it seems like Nikola Jokic is going to be the run. It seems like he's kind of the consensus favorite to win the MVP this year, which I have no problem with. I, I love what he did, especially after Jamal Murray got injured and him having to really shoulder the load um, in Denver. Uh, I have no problem with that. And also, Jokic probably would be my pick just for the simple fact that he played every single game this year which is something that you don't see a lot of stars do. Like, no one else does it now. Like, he's 
I love Nikola Jokic so much because he's such a blend of old school and new school. Like he's this new school big who can pass the ball and dribble very well, but still shoot. Um, but he's not super athletic, right? Like, he, but uh, you know, like he he does all the new school things as far as you know, skill wise and passing and shooting and and being able to finish and his dribble and stuff. Like, right, like that's he has all that new school stuff. But then like he's old school in that tough and that grinded out type of mentality that he has and grit. You know, he went out, he lost a couple pounds so that way he could be better defensively and be able to be a little bit more explosive and move around, even though that's not really his game. Um, and then obviously, like I said, that Iron Man status of just playing every single game, like, am I injured or am I hurt? If I'm hurting, I'm going to play. If I'm injured, okay, then sit me. But he went out, played every single game. Nikola Jokic, absolutely have to give him props, but regular season is over and we'll get to awards and stuff at some other on another day. Well, I'll give out my, who I think should win awards moving forward on probably this Friday or something like that. Right. We'll do that later. After, yeah, we'll do that after the, the playing games, right? So Friday, Friday we'll do that. You know, by then the playing games will all have uh, finished up and we'll be getting into the actual um, playoffs <clears throat> to start. So as everything sits right now in the Western Conference, we'll do the West first. You have the Utah Jazz sitting at one. You have the Phoenix Suns at two. The Denver Nuggets at three, the Los Angeles Clippers at four. By the way, some people have criticized the Clippers because they basically sat all of their starters the last like two or three games of the season. Some people said that they were trying to avoid having to play the Lakers. I don't necessarily. uh, Listen, I get it. I get why the Clippers maybe would have tried to dodge the Lakers. Maybe, you know, I get it. I get it. I get it. But um, I also think that it's I think it's smart. Like, I, I get why some people are going to criticize them for it, because I definitely will. Like, I don't think you should ever play scared. But I also do think it's not necessarily playing scared. It is that idea of playing smart where it's like, hey, if we don't have to play the Lakers in the, you know, early on, like it, if we can push the Lakers down the road as much as possible, you know. If we have to meet them in the Western Conference Finals that would be ideal as opposed to having to play them in the first round or second round of the playoffs. Right. So I get that. Some people are going to criticize them for it. You absolutely should. I criticize them for a little bit, but I also understand the reasoning why Um, you have Dallas sitting, the Dallas Mavericks sitting at fifth. You have the Portland trailblazers at sixth and then seven through 10 are Lakers at seven warriors at eight Grizzlies at nine Spurs at 10. Obviously, we have four and five, so we know Clippers and Mavericks will face off again in the first round this year uh, in the playoffs. We have Denver and Portland taking on each other. Both of those should be really great matchups. And then, obviously, Utah and Phoenix have to wait until after the play-in games have concluded to figure out who they will be playing. So, to break down the play-in games for everybody... um, Basically, how it works is your 7th and 8th seeds play each other, and your ninth and 10th seeds play each other. The winner of the 7th and 8th seed, yeah, the winner of the series between the 7th and 8th seed goes on and will be the 7th seed, right? So, trying to break, yeah, I'm trying to break this down for you. <laughs> so, basically... Since the Lakers are the seventh seed right now and they are the higher seeded team, the Lakers only have to win one game. One game, right? To make it and solidify their spot as the seventh seed, which means that they would take on the Phoenix Suns in the first round. However, the Golden State Warriors, because they are the lower seeded team, have to win two games. So if the Lakers come out in game one, which game one for the Lakers and Golden State would be this Wednesday or tomorrow, uh, May 19th. Um, If the Lakers win on Wednesday, their series is over. The Lakers go on and they would be the seventh seed. And the Golden State Warriors would have to take on the winner of the Memphis and the Spurs series. Now, as far as those go, nine and 10, same situation. The higher seeded team only has to win one game. The San Antonio, the lower seeded team only has 
has to win two games, right? So if Memphis comes out and Memphis actually play, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies play tomorrow as well. If Memphis beats the Spurs, the Grizzlies go on, they beat the Spurs, and they will take on the loser of the Lakers and Warriors series, right? You following me? Cool. So like I said, basically what you need to know as far as the playing game playing games go in the Western Conference, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Lakers only need to win one game to move on, right? If the Lakers win, they go and they solidify themselves as a seventh seed. The Grizzlies, if they win, would have to take on the Warriors. And then in that situation, it would go back to the higher-seeded team only has to win one game. The lower-seeded team only has to win two. Or I keep on saying only. The lower-seeded team would have to win two. So just to give you a scenario, let's say that the Lakers win Wednesday and the Grizzlies win. Let's say the Lakers and the Grizzlies win Wednesday. That would mean the Lakers would be solidified as the seventh seed and they would take on the Phoenix Suns. Then the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies would have to have a play-in series. If the Warriors win that game, the first game of that series, the Warriors would solidify themselves as the eighth seed and they would go on. Now, if the Grizzlies were to beat the Warriors in that series twice, the Grizzlies would be the eighth seed and they would take on the Utah Jazz in the first round. So you get it. Basically, all you need to know, if the higher seeded, look at which team is higher seeded. They only have to win one game. If they win one game, they move on. If the lower seeded team is playing, they have to win two games. If they win two games, they move on. Got it? Easy, peasy, lemon, squeezy. All right. I'm sure some of you are probably still confused because even when I when they first announced this and I was trying to figure it out, I was like, oh, this is a little confusing, but okay. Um, <laughs> so basically, though, Utah and Phoenix are going to have to wait to see who they play. It will more than likely be the Lakers and the Warriors, right? Like, I, I don't think... I don't think Memphis or San Antonio, I don't think either one of them have a chance of beating uh, the Lakers or the Warriors twice, right? They just don't, in my opinion. I don't think that they have a chance of beating those two teams twice, um, and, and especially two times in a row. That's the thing as well. So I do believe you're going to get Lakers and Golden State Warriors in the playoffs um, as the 7th and 8th seed. The question becomes, where will they be seated, right? Because right now they're seventh and eighth. The the Warriors, if they beat the Lakers twice, because that could happen, I could see that Steph could get hot, have a night where he where he shoots and makes eleven threes, and then if you have another night where Draymond Green uh, has one of his games where he has a triple double, and then Andrew Wiggins has a game where he locks in and he's really that uh, second scoring option, and he comes out and he drops like twenty eight points or something like that. The Warriors could beat the Lakers in back-to-back games, right? And if that's the case, then they would switch, and the Warriors would end up playing the Phoenix Suns in the first round, and the Lakers would have to play the Utah Jazz in round one, which, whew, we want to talk about a great series. <laughs> the West, man, the West is just so deep. The West is so deep. It's insane. It really is insane what's what's going on in the Western Conference. Like, this... This conference is so ridiculously stacked, but that's the Western Conference. So basically, my prediction is, like I said, I think 7 and 8 will stay the same. I think Golden State will win one game against the Lakers. I don't think they will win two games in a row. I think they'll win the first game, the Lakers will win the next one, and the Lakers will go on as the seventh seed and take on the Phoenix Suns, and then the Warriors will end up playing the Memphis Grizzlies, will beat the Grizzlies, and they will have to play the Jazz. So what I'm predicting we will get as far as the Western Conference playoffs, I believe we'll have Utah Jazz and Golden State Warriors, Phoenix Suns and Los Angeles Lakers, Denver Nuggets and Portland Trailblazers, and then, of course, Clippers and Mavericks. Now, moving on to the Eastern Conference. Same situation here, okay? Same situation here. You have your play-in games. Currently, the standings in the Eastern Conference, your one seed, Philadelphia 76ers. Shout out to the 76ers. Doc Rivers, you're, mating, you're making me eat my words. 
um, a little bit this year, and I will absolutely. Hey, I'm I am I am a man. I can admit when I was wrong. Um, I still don't think Doc Rivers is a great coach, but maybe he is better than I thought than I may have uh, portrayed him to be. But we shall see what's going to happen there. Uh, the jury is still out on him, as far as I'm concerned. I I spoken about Doc Rivers before, and just my belief that he gets probably a little bit too much love and way too much credit for winning one championship in Boston. Um, and that like, he kind of got exalted into that great head coach realm when he didn't really deserve to be there. Um, and I still kind of feel he doesn't deserve to be spoken about as a great head coach, but he is a good head coach. Um, so I will, I will eat a little bit of crow there. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers though, sitting as your one seed, the Brooklyn Nets sitting as your two seed, you have the Milwaukee Bucks at three, the New York Knicks at four, the Atlanta Hawks at five, the Miami Heat at six, and then, of course, seven through ten, Boston at seven, Washington at eight, Indiana at nine, Charlotte at ten. So let's look at the two matchups that we know are set in the Eastern Conference, and there's some really good ones. The Eastern Conference also, like, the Eastern Conference is good. It, it, obviously not as stacked as the Western Conference, but I do think there are some really good matchups um in the eastern conference first things first new york knicks and atlanta hawks two teams um that both missed the playoffs last year make it in and this this is a who this is gonna be a really good series like i i think this this has the potential to be the best first round series just because these two teams both are young, both have some good talent, both are well coached. Um, however, I think the Knicks just have a little bit more grit to them. I think the Knicks just have a little bit more of that nasty to them, which is why I like the Knicks to win this series. But this series is going to go seven games and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see Trey Young. Uh, in the playoffs, I want to see what he does. I want to see, you know, how he responds to being in those moments. Uh, we get to see Derrick Rose uh, with the New York Knicks. He'll be back in the playoffs. It's going to be fun to watch him play meaningful basketball again because I think he still is a super clutch performer and a really damn good player. Uh, my favorite player of all time, all that stuff, right? So that's a little bit of Derrick Rose love. But Julius Randle has been on an absolute tear. Julius Randle better win most improved player this year. Like, he deserves to win most improved player this year. He took leaps and bounds forward uh, with his game. So the New York Knicks, I mean, the New York Knicks finished fourth in the Eastern Conference. Like, think about that. Think about that. The New York Knicks finished fourth. Crazy, crazy, absolutely crazy. But um, I like the Knicks in that Atlanta Hawks series uh, against the Atlanta Hawks. I, I mean, I like the Knicks in that series. Um, and then you have a really another really good series, a little bit of a, a grudge matchup here between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. Um, obviously, we know what happened last year in the bubble, the Milwaukee Bucks. Basically, it was a gentleman sweep, uh, lost in five games to the Miami Heat. Uh, Giannis did not play the last two games of that series, I believe. Um, but now the Bucks have made some changes. You know, they went out and they they traded for Drew Holiday and all this all this other stuff. So the Bucks been a good team all year, um, but now it's 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 time to see if they can get over the hump. Um, you know, it's it's we we've always for the past I feel like four years we've kept on putting Milwaukee in that conversation of being a team that should win the Eastern Conference or as a team that is a championship contender, and they've fallen short every single year. It's time to see if they can do it. It's time. This this is the year. Like, there's a lot of pressure on the Bucks and Giannis to deliver, right? Like, you have to at least, if the Bucks make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and lose to, like, well... <laughs> They would have to play the Philadelphia. They would have to, it, they're they're going to have to play the Brooklyn Nets in the second round because the Nets aren't going to lose in the first round. So the Bucks have a tough out. Um, they're going to have to play. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Actually, now that I'm looking at this, the Bucks have a tough road if they make it to the like if the Bucks want to win a championship this year, they're going to have to beat the Miami Heat, the team that made the finals last year, 
and a team that almost swept you in the playoffs last year, then you would have to beat the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and the boys. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, you would more than likely have to end up seeing the Philadelphia 76ers. That's rough. That's a rough road. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Milwaukee, that you all have to go through that. That is tough. <laughs> like, that is that is a murderer's row, truly. Uh, and and by the way, you would have to do all of that just to end up probably facing off against, like, the Lakers in the finals, right? Like, that's rough. That's really rough. Boy, oh, boy. Okay. Anywho, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. Really good series. I don't know how this one is going to go. I, I genuinely don't. I don't know how it's going to go. Um, my, I would, I would put my money on Milwaukee just because I was someone who, and no disrespect, I'm not taking away any credit from what anyone did in the bubble last year. But I'm someone who definitely believed that the bubble affected a lot of teams um, in many different ways, and that had those games not been played in a bubble, had those games been played in a regular playoff setting, a lot of those series would have went differently. I don't think the Milwaukee Bucks lose to the Miami Heat if they're playing in a regular playoff setting. I've said this before. I don't think the Lakers would have made it to the finals if they were playing in a regular playoff setting. So I just feel like the playoffs, I feel like the playoffs, the championships would have been totally different last year had they're not had we played in a regular playoff setting as opposed to a bubble. Now we're going to get a chance to see it, right? And I feel like Milwaukee learned from learned from their mistakes, obviously bringing on Drew Holiday. Um, I like Milwaukee against Miami, but I would not be surprised. Um, Miami just has such great leadership from Pat Riley to Eric Spolstra to Jimmy Butler. They have great leadership at every level. Um, and then they just have a bunch of young talent, man. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Harrow. Uh, Bam Adebayo, Chris Dunn, um, or not Chris Dunn. <laughs> oh my God. Why am I blanking on the young man's name? I'm, I'm blanking on the young man's name point guard. I feel terrible for <laughs> Chris Dunn plays for the Atlanta Hawks right now. <laughs> That's not who I was. I, I was Kendrick Nunn. There we go. Kendrick Nunn. Oh, see, you can see how I get that wrong. They're both K and you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, Kendrick Nunn, they have a bunch of really good, strong, young talent in Miami and great leadership. Jimmy Butler, I think, showed that he is definitely a gamer and a guy who comes up clutch when you need it. Uh, and is someone who elevates not only his game, but the game of everyone else around him, specifically in the playoffs. So that's going to be a really great series. Really great series. Can't wait to see how that plays out. Now that brings us to the play-in games. Boston and Washington and Indiana and Charlotte. Boston. Boston, Boston, Boston. You know, I feel like, I feel like with the relationship I had with the Boston Celtics this year, I feel like, I feel like I, I understand what it feels like to be a disappointed parent. <laughs> like I feel like I get how parents feel when like you're just disappointed in your child because or like when your child does something it's just like you know better than this like why like why like you're just disappointed like I'm not even mad I'm just disappointed right like I feel like I truly understand that saying now after watching Boston play this year because if you know me I had Boston super high on my list Boston was a team to watch. I spoke highly about Boston all offseason. I told everyone that would listen to me, Boston is going to be legit. Boston is going to be the team to beat in the East. I was telling everyone, listen, there's only one team that the Brooklyn Nets need to be worried about. There's only one team that the Brooklyn Nets need to be worried about in the Eastern Conference, and that is the Boston Celtics. Not the Philadelphia 76ers, not the Milwaukee Bucks, not the Miami Heat, not the Toronto Raptors. The Boston Celtics are the only team 
that can make Brooklyn sweat in a playoff series. And then this team completely fell apart. Dealt with injuries, obviously. Jalen Brown, done for the season. He won't be playing uh, in these in the playoffs at all. But I was so disappointed because they lost so many winnable games. And it was just, it was mind-scratching sometimes, the performances that they would put on, because it was just like, you all are so much better than this. And now the Boston Celtics find themselves in the seventh seed, taking on a Washington Wizards team that is red hot. Mind you, the Washington Wizards started off the season terribly. They had the worst record in the league through like the first, I believe through like the first 20 games of the year, they had the worst record in the league. They were like five and 15 or something like that. Like it was bad. It was bad in Washington. Um, Let's shout out Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal um, and that team. They, they came together uh, under Russell Westbrook's leadership and really, really turned it around. And now they're in a spot where they're, kind of make the playoffs and I'm going to go ahead and call it. Um, I think Boston is going to lose this, 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 this series against the wizards. Granted Bradley Beal is injured and that's the only caveat, but if Bradley Beal is 75% healthy for this series, Washington's going to beat Boston in back-to-back games. Boston that only right now has Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker Jalen Brown is out, and like I said, this Boston team has just kind of been in disarray. They haven't really uh, gotten themselves together, and Russell Westbrook, we know what he does. Granted, Russell Westbrook is a wild card because he sometimes tries too hard in the playoffs. He's a guy who, in crunch moments, he tries too hard to make make plays happen. Um, he He's a guy who sometimes gets sped up and doesn't let the game come to him and tries to force things, um, so we'll see how that works out. But I like Washington to win that series against Boston. I do. I think Washington beats the Boston Celtics in back-to-back games, and we end up getting to see Brooklyn and Washington face off in the in the uh, first round because I think that then Washington would take over as the seventh seed, and we'd get a Brooklyn and Washington series. Now, Washington's going to get smacked around by the Brooklyn Nets in that first round, but it'll be nice for them to make the playoffs and it'll be a good moment for Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, right? So if that happens, we have the Boston Celtics having to take on the winner of the Charlotte Hornets and the Indiana Pacers. Um, I believe there is a curse on the Indiana Pacers for firing Nate McMillan for absolutely no reason. By the way, Nate McMillan is the one who took over um, for the Atlanta Hawks after they fired Lloyd Pierce uh, halfway through the season. And then of course the Atlanta Hawks just went on to win like 24 games (laughs) once Nate McMillan became the head coach, you know, just little stuff like that. Nate McMillan is a great head coach and the Indiana Pacers are going to rue the day that they fired him for absolutely no reason, uh, last year. Yeah. They fired him after the bubble, after they got swept, uh, by the Miami heat in the first round. And I think they are just doomed (laughs) moving forward they have good players they have good uh pieces they have talent but karma karma is going to come around on that team and there's going to be a hex on that team uh for what they did to nate Nate mcmillan because he did not deserve to be fired nate mcmillan was a was and still is a phenomenal head coach just as the atlanta hawks so with that being said though the charlotte hornets have Lamelo ball back he is my rookie of the year without question without a doubt and because of that, I'm picking Charlotte. I have Charlotte in the upset. I'm actually taking two quote unquote as far as we're as far as just going by the standings go. I think the East has two upsets. I think Charlotte beats Indiana, and I think Washington beats Boston. Um, which means we'll get a game between I think Charlotte will beat the Pacers in back to back games. I think Washington will beat the Celtics in back to back games, which means we will get a Boston Celtics Charlotte Hornets. Uh, play-in series for the eighth seed. And boy, that is going to be good. That is going to be really, really, really good because LaMelo Ball is legit. I think I, and I don't necessarily like saying this because it does come off as like kind of a slap in the face of Lonzo Ball. But I, I remember seeing someone say, 
LaMelo Ball is everything we were promised Lonzo would be. And he's kind of right. Like, LaMelo Ball does everything very well. He shoots the ball well. He's a very good leader. You can see it by the way the team plays when he's on the floor. They play with more confidence. They play looser. He finds guys very well. He's a great passer. Um, willing on the defensive side of the ball. Has a lot. Has has to make a lot of strides on that side of the ball, but a willing defender, right? Um, and like I said, just that supreme level of confidence that he has in himself and how it just, that leadership, it just kind of exudes out of him and and seeps into the other players on this team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Charlotte beat Boston. I wouldn't. Now, I don't think that will happen. <laughs> I think, I think Charlotte will win a game. I think Charlotte beats the Pacers to move on. I think Charlotte beats the Pacers twice to move on. The Washington Wizards beat the Celtics twice. So the so the Wizards get the seventh seed and have to take on Brooklyn. And then Boston and Charlotte end up having to play. I think Charlotte will take game one. And then Boston will take game two. And that will end the series. And Boston will go on as the eighth seed. Which means how I feel like everything ends up shaking out. We get... These are my these are my predictions for our so just to reiterate these are my predictions for how the playoff bracket is going to end up. So in the Western Conference, I believe we're going to end up having the Jazz and the Golden State Warriors, the Clippers and the Mavericks, the Nuggets and the Trailblazers, and then the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers. In the Eastern Conference, we will have the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. We'll have the Knicks taking on the Hawks, the Bucks taking on the Heat, and the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Washington Wizards. All in all, we are set for some damn good playoff basketball, and I cannot wait. Fans are being back allowed into the stadiums. I don't know if I'm going to... Do I want to go to a Hawks game? I am fully vaccinated. Do I want to go to a Hawks game? Hmm something to think about we'll see how it goes we'll see we'll see we'll I'll I'll leave, I'll leave it open right but we there's some really good matchups man like all of the really all of these matchups outside of outside of really Brooklyn and Washington because we know Brooklyn's just gonna slap them around <laughs> no disrespect to the Washington Wizards but the Brooklyn Nets the Brooklyn Nets are gonna sweep them and it's not gonna be a contest but when you look at all these other series right the Clippers and the Mavericks, like we saw how exciting that was last year uh, in the bubble. The Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers, I think that's a good one. In all honesty, I think the Portland Trailblazers win that series. I think the Denver Nuggets being without Jamal Murray, I think I think Portland has a great chance of pulling off the upset and beating the Nuggets uh, there, especially with Dame, uh, Damian Lillard playing the way that he is. Um, obviously, you have the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers, a team – you know, the former champs from last year, the reigning champs taking on a team that is extremely young, but extremely talented and is well led as far as having a great head coach and a great leader on the floor. And Chris Paul going to be fun to see how that uh, ends up working out. Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. Uh, if Boston can figure things out, having to play Boston in the first round could end up being a disaster for the Philadelphia 76ers. Like there's a lot of really, really, really good matchups. Um, for these for these playoff brackets man and i can't wait i can't wait we got play we got playing tournaments today obviously the eastern conference games for the playing tournaments will be played today and then the western conference ones will be played tomorrow um but it's it's i'm super excited for what we're gonna get with these playoffs i'm super excited the nba playoffs are finally here man we waited all season for it it's finally here Thank you, NBA. Thank you, players, for making it through, finding a way to make this whole thing work. And listen, I don't care what LeBron says. The playing tournament is a great idea. It's a lot of fun. It keeps teams more engaged. It, it, it It's another way to keep teams from embracing tanking, right? Because now, if you're a team, if you're the ninth and 10th seed, and you're like, all right, well, there's 10 games left, and we're six games behind, 
we can probably just go ahead and pack it in for the season since we're probably not going to catch these guys. Now it's like, well, as long as we finish with the 10th seed, we technically still have a chance to make the playoffs. So, like I said, I love the playing tournament. I think it's great. Uh, but I cannot wait for the NBA playoffs this year. Cannot wait. Um, quick note before we get out of here. Um, the 2020 Hall of Fame class for the NBA was enshrined um, yesterday. Obviously led by Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett. Uh, they were all inducted officially, uh, had their enshrining uh, moments. And Vanessa Bryant obviously spoke on behalf of Kobe. Uh, Michael Jordan was there to enshrine him. Um, it was a really touching moment. It was a very, very touching moment. Heartwarming, brought a tear to my eye. You know, um, it is it still doesn't feel real, you know, like even after a year, it still doesn't feel like he's gone. Right. Like it just, it doesn't sound right. Like speaking about Kobe Bryant in the past tense still feels strange, still feels extremely strange, but, um, a really beautiful moment for him to get that uh, achievement to be immortalized within the game and, and recognized as one of the greats uh, officially, you know, like we, we all knew he was, he was a hall of famer, but to finally have it, to finally have that next to his name, you know, it's not, and, and Vanessa Bryant said it so well, you know, she's like, it's not just champion anymore. It's not just MVP it is Hall of Famer, you know, it is, it is greatness, which is what he strove so hard to attain. Um, so really heartwarming moment there. Uh, and it was just beautiful to see uh, Vanessa and, the, and and obviously the, the children there with her um, and seeing Michael up there to do it. You know, it was, it was just a really beautiful moment. Um, so super happy uh we got to see that um obviously shout out to tim duncan kevin garnett both well deserving you know this is this is i mean the 2020 hall of fame class is probably going to go down as one of the greatest classes in nba history like i don't i can't think of another nba hall of fame class as loaded as this one um so yeah so that's that was that was huge. And then, of course, we have the 2021 Hall of Fame class announced. Uh, that obviously being led by uh, Paul Pierce, Chris Bosh, Ben Wallace. Shout out Ben Wallace. He was one of my favorite players in the league when I was like seven years old. I actually used to grow like I would I would literally blow dry my hair out and pick it out so I could have an afro like him when I was like seven years old. I loved Ben Wallace, four-time defensive player of the year, a guy who should have been in the Hall of Fame years ago but he gets in the hall of fame shout out him chris weber gets into the hall of fame uh really great stuff there so another really good hall another really good hall of fame class and get your jokes off about paul pierce right i get it paul pierce says some crazy things he definitely is a hater of lebron like he definitely definitely is a hater he definitely you know he he squeezes as much juice as he can out of, you know, that one ring that he won in Boston, but I get it. Um, and we get a lot of jokes off about Paul Pierce now, but let's get it understood. Paul Pierce was nothing to play with when he played. Paul Pierce was an absolute force. He was clutch, gritty, would grind it out, tough, um, big shot maker. Ever Like he, he, and, and he was perfect for Boston. He was perfect for the Celtics. I think his personality and his style of play, like he was athletic, but he wasn't like blowing you away with his, with his athleticism. But the thing with Paul Pierce was this, with a guy like him, you knew what you were going to get out of him every night and you knew you were going to get 110%. Um, so well-deserved for Paul Pierce. Um, well-deserved for Chris Bosh. Hell, Chris Bosh, you could have made a case that he should have got in last year. Um, 
but yeah, so shout out to them. Tony Kukoc, obviously, also getting into the Hall of Fame. Shout out. He gets in from the International Committee. Um, shout out Tony Kukoc. Um, I really, <laughs> someone brought it up, and I was like, it would be hilarious if they had, like, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen just, like, heckle him the entire time that he, like, tried to do his speech <laughs> just for old time's sake. But um, shout out Tony Kukoc. Uh, and shout out to the Hall of uh, the 2021 Hall of Fame class. Well deserved to all of you. Uh, congratulations on making it in. One final thing before we get out of here, I have to give a huge shout out to one of the most recognizable and influential voices in basketball. The great Marv Albert will be retiring after the Eastern Conference uh, Finals. For those of you who don't know, Marv Albert, if you've ever watched a basketball game um especially one that was on primetime like a primetime game that was on tnt or something like that you've heard marv albert's voice marv albert one of the uh announcers and like you know kind of like technically play-by-play guys kind of like analysts you know um but he let it be known that he will be retiring um after this eastern conference finals this year a hell of a career, like I said, one of the most important and easily recognizable and influential voices um, in basketball. Um, calling it a career. Shout out to you. Wonderful job that you've done for all these years. Thank you so much for basically being there and talking me through uh, basketball for a good portion of my life whenever I listen. So shout out to Marv Albert. Um, well-deserved uh, retirement and whatever it is you move on to Marv. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and thank you so much for all of the work you've done. Well, with that being said, I think an hour and seven minutes is pretty good for our comeback episode. Um, thank you all so much again for being patient with me. Thank you all so much for sticking around. This has been instant replay podcast i am your host dominic shirosky thank you all so much for listening and if you liked today's episode tell a friend to tell a friend like it share it all that other good stuff and if you didn't like today's episode just act like it didn't happen and of course i always leave you all with a quote kobe bryant once said no one hates the good ones they only hate the great ones so go out there make some new haters i'll see you all friday